Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Real Talk About Feminism. I'm Mackenzie. And I'm Haley. And this week, we are doing episode 13. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) This is already 13. I know. It feels like it's been going by very fast. Yeah, it's really exciting um, because we're really just doing more and more every week, and I'm just really excited. Me too. How was your week? My week was good. Um, I, let's see, what did I do? I feel like I just worked and did my classes. I feel like there's something, oh, I went to a carnival yesterday. Um, My apartment complex, they put it on in the parking lot and they actually did a really good job. They had a bunch of escape rooms. They had the outdoor rock climbing wall, which is like a legit rock wall. Um, So they had that, they had a bouncy slide, they had cotton candy, hot dogs, nachos. Wow, they went all out. Yeah, it was really fun. I don't even know what it was for. Um, I think it was Resident Appreciation Week. I That's think. really fun. Yeah, and your Snapchat videos and everything, it looked really fun. It was really fun. I actually, like, me and my roommate both were so tired, and we both were like, okay, we're just going to pop in. And, I mean, it was right outside our front door, but we both said we're just going to pop in for, like, 20, 30 minutes and then go. And we were there for two hours, so it was fun. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, how could you not? That's so fun. It was so fun. How was your week? It was good. Um, I was in California this past weekend. We were there Friday through Monday. So that was really fun. We stayed with one of our, um, with one of my aunts, aunt and uncles, mm-hmm. but it was super fun. It was a quick little vacation and it was nice to get away for a few days and see family. Yeah. I was so jealous. Um, so something funny like for all of the listeners so me and ken's normally for the past few years we've been going out to cali every year yeah every summer and two years ago um ken's husband came with us but at the time fiance yeah, at the time <laughs> at the time he was just a fiance yeah because it was like no. a month before we got married yeah, so we all three went out there. It was super fun. Um, then the year after, so last year, me and Ken's went out there. And then this year, when I figured, when I found out that Ken's and her husband were going, I was like, wait, where's my invite? Because we, I always go with them. <laughs> and I then know, I realized, it felt weird. <laughs> yeah, it was weird to not go. But then I realized that I feel like I've been crashing your vacations with Jared a lot, which that's not true because it's not at all. I know you feel that way, but it's not at all. I mean, I've really only been on two trips with you guys, like the St. George one and then like that Cali one. But I don't know. It just felt like I've been on a lot with you guys. It does. Yeah. Because I thought you went to Cali with us twice, but I guess it was the St. George trip. Yeah, it was St. George. But anyway, you're always invited and you know that. Oh, thank you. And whenever I get a boo, then my boo can come (laughs) too. Our boo thing. Boo (laughs) thing. 
No, that'll be fun though. I'm actually really excited for that. Yeah, that will be fun. Okay, well, let's dive into the feminist highlight. Do you want to take it away? Yeah. Today's feminist highlight is Marsha P. Johnson in honor of Pride Month. And I first heard about her, I was actually listening to another podcast, shout out to Morbid. I love that podcast. But they did a whole episode about her because um, she went missing in 1992 and her body was later found and her death was ruled a suicide by the police. But a lot of people suspected foul play because she was a gay man and transgender woman. So a lot of my sources kind of conflicted. Um, We for sure know that Marsha was gay, but often dressed as a drag queen and sometimes identified as transgender. And I'm not quite sure if towards the end of her life, she was officially transgender and made the switch. But in all the sources I read, the pronouns were she, her. So I'm just going to go with she, her. Um, But regardless of like how she identified, she was a huge advocate and activist for LGBTQ plus rights and is still an icon, especially in New York City today for the LGBTQ community. So uh, Marsha was born in 1945 in New Jersey. And In 1969, she was living and working in New York City, and it was actually in June that she was at a bar called the Stonewall Inn, and it was an exclusively gay bar. So in this time, if you were gay or if you were part of the LGBTQ community at that time, then you were considered mentally ill. They thought it was a mental illness. So... It was super underground and it was very common for the police to raid the bars and kick everybody out. And um, sometimes they used excessive force and violence and it was very scary. So um, it was illegal for people to gather in these types of bars. So on um, a night in June in 1969, she was at the Stonewall Inn and um, NYPD raided the bar and they kicked everybody out. It was very violent and Marsha resisted arrest, which was crazy at that time. You weren't supposed to do that. Most people just kind of went willingly, but she resisted the arrest. And in turn, a lot of other people did too, because she was setting an example and following in the days following of the Stonewall riot, Marsha led riots and protests that inspired so many people to come and join her and this whole movement started taking place in new york city and um, about a month after the stonewall riot the first gay march was held in new york city so obviously this was a big turning point for um, the gay community and the lgbtq community And um, Marsha and one of her friends, Sylvia, they founded an organization called STAR in 1970. And STAR stood for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. And this organization was co-founded by Marsha and Sylvia, and it helped homeless, gay, and trans people, along with 
bisexual, lesbian, everyone in that community, but specifically gay and transgender people. So those were the two main things that Marcia did for the community. But like I said, she is still an icon today and inspires people still today. And this was only in, in 1969. Like, it seems like it was so long ago, but it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned in the beginning, she did go missing in 1992. And in 2012, actually, NYPD reopened the case and changed the ruling of her death from suicide to undetermined. So I didn't really go into much research about the investigation. I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but at least it's not deemed a suicide. At least it is undetermined. And maybe in the near future, they will reopen it again (laughs) and maybe investigate a potential murder. So that was Marcia P. Johnson. There's so much more information out about her though. And, um, how inspirational she is. So I definitely recommend going and reading more about her life and how many people she touched. Um, I did read from a couple sources that I'll highlight, um, BBC news and feministcampus.org. They both had articles about Marcia. That is so great that you did the feminist highlight on her this month especially because it is Pride Month. And so we just wanted to say to everyone, happy Pride. And we just hope that everyone feels comfortable, especially in our world. There's so much hate and it's so hard to sometimes be who you truly are. But we want everyone to know that um, this podcast is a safe space for everybody and you should feel comfortable and feel free to love who you love and be who you are. So happy Pride, and thank you for doing the Feminist Highlight. Yeah. So another thing that we wanted to highlight quickly before getting into the content for today's episode um, is today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Today is Juneteenth, and... um, since we're recording on this now national holiday, um, we just quickly wanted to address it and talk about what Juneteenth is because um, I was talking to some people this week who didn't actually know what it is and that's okay. It's all about education. So we wanna um, just talk about what Juneteenth is. Yeah, and if you live in America, especially, like I don't remember learning about this in any of my history classes. And if we did, I feel like it was just like a five minute recap. Like we didn't really go into much depth about it. So I think it's really important to look up what it is because it's, well, it's now a federal holiday for a reason. And I'm super excited that they signed that into place, but it's a very big deal. We should recognize how big of a deal it is. So um, Juneteenth is... um, If you look it up, um, the New York Times talks about um, how on June 19th of 1865, enslaved African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, were told they were free. In 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by President Abraham Lincoln, but it didn't actually be put into effect until two years later. 
So right, because mm-hmm. news traveled very slow back then. So even though it was signed on that day, it didn't go to everybody until a couple years later, which is why it said Galveston, Texas. Yes. So um June 19th of 1865 was the day that officially people heard that the Emancipation Proclamation was put into effect and the Emancipation Proclamation freed slaves in America. And so that's obviously a really big deal because that June 19th of 1865, that day marks the day where thousands and millions of slaves were now free after hundreds and hundreds of years of being enslaved as Black Americans and as African Americans. And so the fact that that was just signed into law as a federal holiday two days ago, or yeah, two days ago, signed into law on June 17th of 2021, this year, by Joe Biden. Um, It's a little bit crazy to me, and I can totally understand all of the frustration around it not being a holiday for this long, because that is such a big deal, and that marks the end of slavery, official slavery, for an entire culture in our nation, and it should be celebrated because that's a huge deal. It should be celebrated. June is a big month, so happy Pride and happy Juneteenth. <laughs> yes. So on top of that, um, just we wanted to highlight just a few ways that you can celebrate Juneteenth because me and Mackenzie, we're both white, and sometimes I think that race can be such a delicate thing and I never want to do anything to be culturally insensitive. And I was just kind of thinking like, how can I be respectful on this holiday as a white Mm -hmm. person who wants to get educated and who wants to also celebrate and recognize the fact that this is a big holiday for America and for black culture specifically, but for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so Um, I found this blog and it's called Dominican Sisters of Springfield, Illinois. And they just talked about what everyone can do, but specifically like what we can do as white people to honor and respect the holiday. And the three main points that they came up with was to learn, to celebrate and to commit. So they talked about how important it is to learn about what Juneteenth is and what it separates. Uh, celebrates. Um, And they gave a few different articles and they suggested just looking up what is Juneteenth. Um, Celebrate, you can search in Google the name of your town and then type in Juneteenth celebrations. And there's probably plenty of celebrations in your area. I know even in my small town, they're having a huge celebration at the park today. Um, So you can search for those events and celebrate with everybody and then commit. And by that, they're talking about committing to being aware of white privilege in America because it does exist. 
and committing to teaching younger generations and learning ourselves about racial injustice in our nation and how we can um, counteract that and how we can become a better nation and bring about racial justice and racial equality in our nation. So that is what we can do to help celebrate. So happy Juneteenth and happy Pride Month. That was very well said. I'm right there with you. We want to create a safe space for everybody and we never want to cause offense or be racially insensitive, like you mentioned. We just want to be allies to everybody, every race, gender, however you identify. So with that being said, again, happy Pride Month, happy Juneteenth. Yes. Okay. So now that we have talked about those two very important things, we are going to get into the bulk of today's episode. And I'm really excited for this one. Um, this is something that I've been waiting to do for since we started the podcast, actually. So it's been a few months in the making. But today we are addressing the arguments of feminist critics. And how we are going to do that is we are going to talk about a conversation that I had with someone who follows me on Instagram. And I guess he knows me from middle school. I don't know him. Um, but he is from our community and he reached out to me on Instagram um, when I started the podcast. And since then he's reached out about a few different things trying to argue with me. And I wanna start off by saying, I'm always open to discussion and to conversation, but I do not enjoy conversations with people who have different beliefs than me, where they just are not interested in what I have to say and they just wanna change my mind and they just wanna tell me why I'm wrong. Right, nobody likes that. No, it's not fun. And so I am totally open to conversation and discussion if the other person is open to, and this person was acting like they were open, but they were not. So um, let's just get into it. Um, so to make it easier to follow, we're just going to read word for word the conversation. So I will play the person who reached out and Haley will play herself. <laughs> Um, and we'll just read like little bits of it and then go into more detail about different things that he brought up, different points that we want to talk about. So I'll start first since he reached out. So the conversation started with, um, me reposting a post on my personal account from the real talk about feminism instagram and it was the definition of feminism and the definition of feminism that was on the post um said the ad feminism is the advocacy of women's rights based on the basis of equality see also empowerment and this is what he responded then why not just stick with the term we already have equality 
why I made my voice like that. <laughs> I'm trying to sound like a dude. <laughs> that was really funny. And I said, because feminism is a movement, not just a term. Movement for what? And for who? It's a movement to gain equal rights for men and women. It's just a fact that there are certain privileges that men have and women don't. If it includes men, why is, quote, the movement constantly beating down men? And what rights are you talking about? Women have the same or more legal and social rights than men. Okay, so that is the first little part of this convo that we want to debrief because first off, feminism is a movement. It isn't just a term. And so for him to say, um, you know, why not just stick with the term equality? Feminism is more than equality. Yes, it's about equal rights for women, but it's important to recognize that there there are inequalities. Yes, equality goes hand in hand with feminism, but feminism is equality for women because there is a history of unequal rights between men and women. Right. I understand what he's saying, mm -hmm. but there is a difference. There is a difference. And the other thing that he said, like, why is the movement constantly beating down men? Well, we have talked about multiple times on this podcast mm -hmm. that there are different degrees of feminism, different groups and subgroups within feminism. And yeah, there are some people, some groups who want to hate on men and bash men and blame men for all of our issues. Mm -hmm. But that is not how we are. We just want to empower women and... Also, we recognize that there is inequalities and we want to bring awareness to that. Right. We just talked about it with the ecofeminism episode. Yeah. Of course, there are some people who say men are the scourge of the earth and cause all the problems for the environment and women. But as we talked about, we don't think that way. I don't think it's right to think that way at all. Mm -hmm. And this is just another issue that like, if you identify as a feminist, you get lumped into this man hating group, yeah. which is so not true. No, it's not true. And so in response to his message, um, he had asked me, I, I told him, I was like, um, yeah, that's great. Um, why don't you listen to the first episode of my podcast? Cause this was before Ken's was a host. Mm -hmm. So I had just recorded like one or two episodes. I think, I think it was, it was two because yeah, it was two. It was after the first, cause you did the self-love episode first and then the definition of feminism second. And that's when he slid up. Yes. Okay. So you're right. So then I told him, I was like, why don't you just listen to my podcast? I talk about how I don't hate men. And so he asked me for the link, whatever, listen to it. And he was like, so if I have any questions, um, would you be um, comfortable answering them? And I was like, sure. Of course. Like, yeah. Right. So then that started the next conversation. So 
why don't you read what he said next? Okay, bear with me. This is a long one. <laughs> and this, this is, is all what he said. Okay. So this was after he listened to the podcast. Yes. All right. I heard what you said in the very beginning of the podcast and listened to the podcast about body acceptance and mantras. It sounds to me that you aren't a feminist. You're an egalitarian, which is the movement that is about equality for everyone. Or actually, you're probably both. But don't combine the two as it takes away from your egalitarian viewpoints. Combining the two is harmful for men as well as women. Remember my quote of, quote, the dumbest people have the loudest voices, end quote. Well, on the news, social media, magazines, basically any type of media, they promote the idea that feminism is for everyone. But then the next day, those same outlets are explaining how evil men are and how we oppress women. That really makes people disgusted with the movement you subscribe to. Okay, so All right, where do you want to start? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is a lot to unpack. Um, so the thing that really bothered me first off this whole time I was thinking, wow, he's really mansplaining this whole thing to me. And that is in no way me trying to be offensive, but that's totally what he was doing. Um, the thing that bothered me is when he tried to tell me who I was and what I believed. And he didn't say like, have you ever heard about egalitarianism? May that sounds like what you believe in. Does that sound like- Yeah, there's a difference. There's definitely a different way he could have phrased it to make it more of a positive conversation. But he really was like, you could tell he was like typing one thing, Googling, what is this? What is this? How should I explain, you know? And then right. responding to his own message before you even had a chance to read what he said. Right. And I will say like all of those messages, that's one, two, three, four, five different messages. He sent those like back to back. Like he didn't even give me a chance to respond. Mm -hmm. And the thing that really bothered me is when he said, it sounds to me like you aren't a feminist, you're an egalitarian, which is the movement that is about everyone. Or actually, you're probably both, but don't combine the two as it takes away from, my, from your egalitarian viewpoints. In no conversation with him did I ever identify myself as an egalitarian. And I'm not saying that that's wrong because that's totally grouped into my beliefs. Uh-huh. But did I ever identify as that? No. So why are you trying to tell me, first off, you are an egalitarian, not a feminist, but you combining the two takes away from your egalitarian beliefs. Did I ever say that? No. No. No, and, they are similar. Right. And uh, like, it makes sense to me that they're kind of under the same umbrella. Yeah. But there are differences and it's not cool that he was using the pronouns your because they're right. like your own beliefs. Right. Like he was putting a label on me that I didn't put on myself. And the thing is, the, the actual definition of egalitarianism, um, and this is from dictionary.com, it says relating to or believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. Okay, so, so who isn't an egalitarian? Right. I mean, there's obviously people that aren't. But, like, we obviously believe that. That's great. We preach about equality all the time during our episodes. But... It was the fact that he put that label on me and I didn't put that on myself. And then he was like, 
and by the way, you combining these two labels that you are, that's like takes away from the movement. I don't know. It really just bothered me that he was really like labeling me as something that I never put on myself, even though it's a good thing. And I do agree with it, but I never once identified as that. No, you never did. One thing that bugged me was his last message because uh, (laughs) for one, he said the movement you subscribe to. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, let me just go subscribe on YouTube to a feminist channel. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. You don't subscribe to a movement. Yeah. And it, it makes it seem like just like blindly following. Like he was really, uh-huh. in, he was um, insinuating that I blindly follow this movement, but I'm actually very educated on my beliefs in mm-hmm. this realm. So don't make it seem like I don't know what I'm talking about. That's what bothered right. me. And he also touched on the idea that, like, social media and the media, they like to preach feminism, but then they're talking about how, quote, evil men are and how we oppress women, quote. Okay, yeah, because many women are raped, murdered, harassed, kidnapped every day, Mm -hmm. usually by men. Yeah, and... Again, like we've said this in past episodes, all of those things can happen to men too. But they happen a lot more often to women. Mm-hmm. And so we're not saying that those things don't happen to men, but we're recognizing the numbers and the statistics that it does happen a lot to women. And so we're rising up and we're and we create this worldwide movement of support for women and give women a platform and an opportunity to feel empowered and to feel supported and loved exactly and him saying that really makes people disgusted with the movements again that makes me think that in his mind, all feminists just hate men. Right. After I had already explained to him that I don't have those beliefs and that most feminists do not have the belief that Mm -hmm. men are evil and men are are all of our issues. Like that was after I had already explained that to him. So he obviously was not receptive and did not care what I had to say and just wanted to word vomit. Exactly. The next section starts out with him once again, (laughs) starting out the conversation. So he said, well, since arguing the name is kind of pointless, can you give me some examples of what you, a woman, have to deal with? Because you're right. I don't know the ins and outs of what you guys have to go through. And when he said, since arguing the name, I think he's referring to feminism. Yeah. Versus egalitarianism. Okay. So in response to that message, I said, first, look up the pink tax. And I'd like to know and possibly have a discussion about the topics, but only if you have time. Today's my day off, so I have time. The pink tax? Okay. Look up the statistics of the number of women who have been sexually harassed. It's 97% of women. Yes, men experience sexual harassment and sexual assault too, but the numbers are much higher for women. There's also a huge wage gap in America between the genders. 
I personally have experienced the effects of the wage gap. So he brought up a few points, or I brought up a few points, I guess, in this one. Um, the pink tax, um, sexual harassment and sexual assault, which we have talked about a lot um, in this, in, during like multiple episodes. Um, yeah, and then and the statistic that you mentioned, we did an episode on that. Yes, the 97%. So if you want to listen to that, um, it's called the 97%. I think it's episode four. I think so. Maybe three or four. It's three or four. So um, go look at that and listen to that if you want to learn more. Um, but then um, I also brought up the wage gap. So he had asked me, he was like, you know, like if if women have it so hard, tell me why. So the pink tax was the first thing that I had told him, which is very interesting. And a lot of people try and argue the pink tax, but there's literally facts and statistics showing that it exists. So the pink tax, and this is all according to healthcare.com. This is a quote from their website, and it says, gender-based pricing, also known as the pink tax, is an upcharge on products traditionally intended for women, which have only cosmetic differences from comparable products traditionally intended for men. So the pink tax is, it's not actually a tax, it's just, it means that companies charge more for products that are marketed for women, mm -hmm. even though it's the same basic product for men. So like razors, shaving cream, and this is different from the tampon tax. So we talked about the tampon tax in, um, and the pink tax a little bit in the episode about um, periods. Mm -hmm. um, but this is different from the tampon tax. So there's a few little examples of the pink tax um, that I just want to talk about. But this is another thing it said on the website for people who want to say like, oh, it's just a coincidence. It's not real. So on healthline.com, it says, yet pink tax is not a new phenomenon. Over the past 20 years, California, Connecticut, Florida, and South Dakota have released reports on gender pricing in their states. In 2010, Consumer Reports highlighted the matter nationally with a study that found at the same time, women paid as much as 50% more than men did for similar products. I can attest to this because shopping with Jared, mm -hmm. when we go to like the hygiene and cosmetics aisle, our razors are different prices for the same mm -hmm. concept. We have the ones with the reusable base and then you change out the heads. Mm -hmm. My brand for the heads and the razor, it's like 50 cent difference. Which mm -hmm. doesn't seem like a lot, but like, why does that make sense? It's the same product. Right. And it adds up. And that's what they talked about. Um, and if you want to read more about it, you can go to healthline.com. Um, and it's the article is quick facts about the pink tax. But they talk about that and they show this graphic. Um, and like for anyone who wants to argue, well, I mean, it's only 50 cents. Like, that's not that big of a deal. But they talk about the long term impact of that price difference because it does make a really big difference it's a lot it does add up <laughs> mm -hmm. so i'm looking at this graphic that you just shared with me 
Mm-hmm. And it's a screenshot from healthline.com, the same source. And on the left, there's earplugs in blue packaging. And on the right, there's earplugs in purplish pink packaging. And it says women's earplugs. And there is a dollar difference. And the thing is, both of the both of the earplug plugs are foam. Both of them have the same have amount. 32. Yep. And they're both from Walgreens. Both of them have the same brand and everything, but the one that says women's is a dollar difference. Also, why do they market earplugs to women? Like, I would never buy it just because it says women's. Well, I mean, I think the thing is, it's kind of a psychology thing. Um, I mean, if I saw it next to the other one that was cheaper, then I would buy the cheaper ones. Mm -hmm. But if I just saw them on their own, I would be like, oh, women's earplugs. Okay. They're made for women. But without really even thinking, wait, but what's the difference between men's ears and women's ears? Like, I think sometimes with certain products, it's a psychology thing where we see women and buy that product because, oh, it must do something different. Oh, definitely. Marketing companies are extremely smart. (laughs) Definitely. And I just think that this is, it's just really interesting because you can see the effects of the pink tax and they have another graphic on this website. And the difference between men's and women's shampoo is women pay 48% more for the same exact brand, same exact size, but it's just marketed for women or razors, body wash. It's just, it's crazy. So that was one thing I told him, you know, look at the pink tax because that's a big deal. Yeah. Next time you're at the store, if you notice something like that, take a picture and send it to us because I'm really interested to see. I know we have listeners in several other states than we're Mm -hmm. living in currently. So it'd be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, it would be really interesting. And then we'll post it on the story for everyone else to see. Okay. So I think you had mentioned the wage gap before he said this, just to provide some background. Mm -hmm. So he said, when you say sexual harassment, how stringent is the definition? While the wage gap is an easy one. I said unwelcome or inappropriate sexual remarks or physical advances in his response to how stringent is the definition of sexual harassment. He then said, the wage gap is false. It is illegal to pay women less for the same work. The bill was passed, I believe, in the 60s, question mark. I remember that 30% was the narrative at one point. It may have changed, but that's what I'll stick to for this argument. If women were paid less for the same job, why wouldn't companies only hire women? Is it just because men hate women so much they'd pay 30% more in operating costs? And I said, so actually there's ways that people do things illegally without being caught. Companies can pay women less without being caught. I know this because it happened to me. And let's start from the beginning because there's a lot for this section. Yeah. So he mentioned the wage gap Mm -hmm. and I know his argument is a very common one. And I've wondered that too, like, well, why wouldn't companies just like only hire women? It's like, well, because people would know they're onto something. 
Right. And he, when he said, is it just because men hate women so much they'd pay 30% more in costs? Like, <laughs> dude. Well, I was like, okay. And? Yeah. So I actually looked this up um, because my whole argument is like, no, I know this because it happened to me. And all in the next little conversation that we share, um, I talked about this. But, you know, what is the wage gap? Because there's a lot of debate on whether or not it does exist because it they did pass a law in the 60s stating that men and women cannot be paid unequally. That like women need to be paid fairly and they can't, they can't base a wage based off someone's gender. So that's great. But like I told this guy, people do things illegally all the time without getting caught. Mm-hmm. That literally is why we have police officers. Their whole job is to catch people who do illegal things. Right. So that was really annoying to me when he was like, well, it's illegal, so it doesn't happen. Okay, well, drugs are illegal and people are still addicted. We are literally in an opiate epidemic right now. Like, <laughs> Right, that's not a valid argument from his point. It's not. Let's address your message to him in response to one, two, three, four messages that he said before you responded about you literally experiencing the wage gap. And you guys talk about this in your messages. So we'll just go ahead and read it word for word. So when I finally got a chance to respond, I told him I used to work on an ambulance and only 30% of EMTs in the field are female. So I got to see sexism in the workplace firsthand. I was really good at my job. So I got promoted to a training officer. There was four total training officers. Three were men and I was the only female at the time. I worked for three weeks as a training officer with a certain wage. And one day I was talking to my male coworkers and they were talking about how nice the raise they got for being a training officer was but I had not gotten a raise for my promotion. It was the same promotion that the other three men got. We all did the same amount of work and I had actually worked there longer than the rest of them. When I went to management and HR about this unequal pay, they tried to cover it up and they were probably afraid I would take legal action against them. So they ended up up giving me the raise. After that, I was getting paid the same amount as my male coworkers, but for three weeks, I was doing the same amount of work as them and getting paid less. Um, another note about this story, the company that I worked for was run, was run by all men, no women at all. No women in leadership. No women in leadership and barely any women working there anyways. Right. It's a male dominated field. So he said that actually is crap, but in all caps, it is illegal already. I don't know why he did that. It's just the company then not all companies or men. I think he meant I said, men. no, I think he meant or men, like not all men want unequal pay. Oh, okay. It's not, it's just that company then not all companies or men. Okay. Got it. Yes. And I said, I can assure you it's not the company, just the company I work for. There's literally a wage gap because it happens more than just at my company. Yes, it's illegal, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Him. The wage gap may exist, but does it take into consideration the different choices men and women make? 
types of degrees, hours worked, time off taken, having children. Okay. Can I just say something right here? (laughs) Yeah. That really makes me mad because for one, men don't have children. Mm -hmm. They can't have children. Okay. So women having children, this is a whole other argument, but like, why can't women have a career and have children? Okay. Mm -hmm. We could go into many different discussions about that. Okay. Women, maybe they don't get as high degrees as men sometimes because they choose to have children. Maybe they work less hours because they're taking care of children. Maybe they take time off because their kids are sick or they are having issues with their children. Maybe they just don't work as much because of the children. But, and that is a choice that women make, but why do, why does that have to cause them less pay? Like that makes no sense to me. If you work less hours, obviously you're going to make less money, but you shouldn't have a lower salary. Does that make sense? No, that makes perfect sense. And that actually goes right into the argument I want to highlight about the wage gap and the facts behind it. Um, So the Center for American Progress, um, they did a study and they talked about um, from 2018, women of all races earned on average just 82 cents for every dollar earned by men of all races. This calculation is the ratio of median annual earnings for women working full-time year-round to those of their male counterparts, and it translates to a gender wage gap of 18 cents. When talking about the gender wage gap for women, it is important to highlight that there are significant differences by race and ethnicity. The wage gap is larger for most women of color. So, yes, there is a wage gap, 82 cents for women for every dollar earned by men. So they go into why there is a wage gap and they talk about what you just said, Ken's. So the three main points are the differences in industries or jobs worked. So they talked about quote, so-called women's jobs, which are jobs that have historically had majority female workforces such as home health aides or childcare workers tend to offer lower pay and fewer benefits than so-called men's jobs, which are jobs that have had predominantly male workforces, including jobs and trades such as building and construction, end quote. So this is really interesting because, I mean, people who work construction, you can make a lot of money doing construction. Mm -hmm. Which I agree with because it's very, very intense. Right. And when I'm talking about, like, I like the way that they talk about the wage gap in this study because they're just bringing the facts. Like they're talking about how jobs such as home health aides or childcare workers historically are quote women's jobs. Like that's how it's been. And not saying that only women can do that, but just if you look at the statistics, it's been right. female dominant dominated yeah. and construction jobs or building. Those are primarily male dominated and when you look at the difference in pay, you can see that. I'm having trouble following because they're two entirely separate jobs and categories of jobs. So it's kind of hard to compare. It's so it's just talking about how like 
a childcare worker, which is a pro- predominantly female job, gets paid less than a construction worker. I'm not saying it makes sense. That's just the the thing that there. Okay. These- okay. So you're just discussing the facts from the source. Yeah. Okay. This is what they're talking about, and they're saying these gender differences are true across all industries from frontline workers to mid-level managers to senior leaders. And so the point that they were trying to make is that there's differences in pay between the types of jobs that people work. And they're not necessarily stating, oh, a childcare worker should make just as much as a construction worker. They're just talking about Historically, one field is female-dominated, one field is male-dominated, and one field gets paid more and one field gets paid less. Mm -hmm. So that's just an interesting observation. That is interesting. So that was the first thing they talked about with the wage gap. The second point that they made was um, the differences in years of experience, because this makes sense that if you have more experience in a field, you should get paid more, right? Right, right. So it talks about how, this is a quote, it says, women are disproportionately driven out of the workforce to accommodate caregiving and other unpaid obligations and thus tend to have less work experience than men. Access to paid family and medical leave makes women more likely to return to work and more likely to return sooner. However, as of March 2019, only 19% of civilian workers had access to family paid leave throughout their employers, and only 40% had access to short-term disability insurance benefits to deal with their own medical needs, end quote. I agree with that statement in the beginning. Just objectively, yeah, if you are a stay-at-home mom for five years, you do have a disadvantage going back into the workforce because that's five Mm -hmm. years of that area of experience that you missed out on. Right, and the thing is, like, being a stay-at-home mom, that's a job in itself, but it's not looked at in that way because it's getting paid. And so even though if you choose to take that time off from a a job to take care of your family or like like it, it, this was saying that you know access to paid maternity leave or paid leave to like paid sick leave to take care of a sick family member that is really beneficial because it allows women to come back into the workforce but still have time to nurture their children and nurture their mm-hmm. family members but it's just it's not really widely available No, it puts a lot of women into a tough spot trying to figure out your career and family life. And I don't have kids yet, but I can see how that would be incredibly difficult. Yeah, I could too. And so I think that was a good point. And like the guy in this argument, he was saying like, well, does the wage gap take into consideration like time taken off and having kids and everything yeah that is why there is a wage gap and it's not saying that people I think the common misconception about the wage gap is that people are doing it intentionally and people are intentionally not paying women more but 
this source is arguing and discussing the fact that it's not necessarily unintentional. It's just, yeah, women are getting paid less because they're taking time off to spend with their, their newborn child and they're not able to get paid for it because there's unpaid maternity leave. Right. The way you said that it, it's not necessarily intentional. That summed it up well for me because the wage gap is an issue that I've kind of been like back and forth with in the Mm -hmm. past. So this is helping me to understand like just objectively a lot of women do work less than men because of children and family needs, which is totally fine. Like I I can't wait to be a stay at home mom for a couple years, you know, but even though many women are unintentionally affected by the wage gap, there are companies like the one you worked with that intentionally pay women less or give less hours. Yes. And so for me, my experience with the wage gap, um, that was 100% intentional. And the way that they talked to me about it when I brought it up with them They really were trying to cover it up. And so I know it was very intentional because this was a male dominated um, company and they were very traditionally religious and I'm religious. So I'm not going to say that just because you're religious means you're sexist, but their values were very, very traditional. And so I think it was hard to be a woman working at that company. Oh, I know. Um, Do you want to tell that story? I I mean, you kind of alluded to it. But like, are there any more details that you want to share? I mean, I'll just say that company was terrible. Along with with the wage gap, you were harassed by management. Yeah. And I that is ultimately the reason why I left. I loved working as an EMT and I. I still talk to some of my old partners and I loved my experience, but that company, yeah, they had a lot of issues. Um, And the thing that was just the most frustrating to me was I got that promotion as a field training officer. And I, I was working there the longest out of the other field training officers. And I was dedicating a lot of time and I did a really good job at training And I think, so this is going to sound a little bit stereotypical, but working in a male dominated field, um, especially in that type of environment, it's all about being tough and not showing your emotions and like treating patients and moving on. But the suicide rate for EMTs and paramedics is so high because in that field, people are told to, uh, or maybe not like outright told, but it's very much like, oh, you have to be tough and move on. Like, yeah, that person is going to die and you know it, but you got to be tough and move on and not show any emotion. And so I think that I did a really good job at training people because as a new person going into that field, it's really kind of a shock because all of a sudden you're just thrown into this environment where people are dying around you and you're just trying to treat them and save their life. And you drop them off at the hospital and 
they might die the next day or they might die within a few hours. And there's plenty of times, plenty of times where I dropped a patient off knowing that they were going to die. And especially last year working in the pandemic, knowing that they were going to die without seeing their families and just being surrounded by a team of medical professionals with these giant masks on and these hazmat suits, like Mm -hmm. that's the scariest way to die. And so I think I did a really good job training people because I could connect with the trainees. And I really tried to make it known, like, it's okay to be emotional about it afterwards. And it's okay to talk about it Mm -hmm. because we can't just bottle it in. After calls, I was able to provide that nurturing sort of spirit to the people I was training. And so it was really frustrating to me when I heard that the other three field training officers were getting paid more. Like it was a casual conversation. They were talking, they were like, oh, this raise has been so nice. And I was like, oh, what raise? And they were like, the raise for being an FTO, a field training officer. And I looked at them and I was like, I didn't get a raise. And they all kind of laughed because like, they were like, of course you did. Like, why wouldn't you? And I was like, no, I'm serious. I didn't get a raise. And all three of them were like, you need to go talk to management. So they were all very encouraging. Okay, good, good. Because it is very well known in that company that they're very sexist. And I could literally have my partner on the show and he could talk about. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, he could. He could talk about how sexist it is because he knows and everyone knows. But um, so then I went and talked to them and they they just tried to cover it up. And I was very apparent that, no, I know that this was intentional. And so they apologized. And I still never got paid for that three weeks. But whatever, it's past me now. But so that was very frustrating um, from this listener who was coming at me saying like, it doesn't exist because it does. And that was one of the situations where it was very intentional, mm-hmm. but there are certain things that are societal norms, such as women being primary caretakers and therefore they are not able to go back into the work- workforce as easily after because they're taking time off to care for their kids. Like that's not an intentional thing. That's not men saying, oh, you are a stay at home mom. Um, We're not gonna hire you because of that. Or we're gonna pay you less now because of that. No, it just means- It just puts women, some women at a disadvantage. I personally have never been affected by the wage gap as far as I know. (laughs) I mean, it's not like a, you don't really discuss your wages with your coworkers in my experience. So like, I don't know, but I do feel like I've been treated pretty fairly by the companies I've worked at. So luckily I've never dealt with that, but like, I obviously like know people who have been affected by it. So. Right. And once you go in, like, once you become a mother and. Oh yeah. I I will probably experience some, some things that we've been discussing. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not necessarily intentional. It's just how it is. And so that's why we talk about things like this to bring awareness to it. Mm-hmm. So that was that. <laughs> We're just like so tired of talking about this guy. So, well, there's a couple more things that he brought up. So um, I'll just start with what he mentioned. So he's referring to the 97% study. So he said, I also just found out where you got your 97% statistic. 
It was done in the UK with a thousand women participants. And the administrator said in their own study that 70% of the women, including being looked at as sexual harassment and 68% said catcalling was sexual harassment. First off, he didn't even use the right there. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to judge him on his grammar. Yeah. Um, so like we mentioned, we did do an episode on this study. So if you want to go listen to that, go ahead. We won't really touch on that. Um, but Haley, do you want to read what you said in response? Yeah. So I said, I know the study you are referencing. I've read it. I'm going to choose to not discuss the issues of sexual harassment anymore because there's no way to defend it. Catcalling is sexual harassment in my definition and most women's definitions to be whistled at like a dog just for walking and minding your own business. That makes me uncomfortable. It makes most women uncomfortable and it is not a compliment. It's rude. So yes, that is why women define catcalling as sexual assault, sexual harassment. I later corrected myself. I didn't mean to say assault, but um, so yes, that is why women define catcalling as sexual harassment. It makes us feel unsafe. He said, to be clear, I'm not defending sexual harassment or violence. I simply brought the facts of the study you brought up to light. I think it's extremely detrimental to the state of mind of young women and girls to tell them that they will be sexually violated and or harassed in their lifetime. And I said, I've already known the facts of the study because he had said, I'm just bringing them to light, but I know the facts. Then why did you think I was defending sexual assault? And I said, we're not telling girls we're not telling girls that, that they're going to be sexually, sexually violated throughout their lifetime. Mm-hmm. We're letting girls know that they aren't alone if something happens to them. And we're trying to encourage girls that if something does happen to them, they can use their voice and speak out against their assaulters instead of just being victims. He said, I see that you, in all caps, <laughs> are trying to do that. But look at the bigger picture. The one-fourth statistic of rape has been debunked several times by several people. And I, so I, right before then, I had sent him the statistic from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And it was the statistics of, like, sexual violence against women. Because he was saying, like, oh, girls are just taught they're going to be victims. So I sent him the statistics, like, yeah, because statistically they are. And so I said, I don't think you can get more factually correct than the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. That's where those statistics are from. He said, and you should be taught to protect yourself and be cautious. So my whole issue with him this whole time was like, he kept going back and forth. Yeah, I was noticing that. Like, all of the stuff that he's saying when you read it, it does not even make sense with my replies because he's not even listening to what I'm saying. He's just moving on to the next point he wants to make. And he was, when I said, no, we're talking about these facts because they're facts and statistics and statistically women are victimized sexually. And so we're teaching girls that if something happens to them, they aren't alone and they should speak up. And so when I said that we're doing it to protect ourselves, then he was like, well, look at the bigger picture. And then also the one out of four women will be raped in college. That's been debunked several times, but you should be taught to protect yourself and be cautious. Like what? Yeah. And it's also like, what bigger picture? Yeah. I don't really know. I I don't know where he got that. 
I was really confused with him the whole time. And that's why I told him, like, I was like, I'm not going to have this conversation with you anymore about sexual violence because I told him, I was like, it's very triggering to me. And I didn't, this was before I released my story with sexual assault. So it wasn't out there, but I was like, this is very triggering to me. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And he continued to bring it up. And so when he brought up the statistics, like I was like, well, I'm going to defend this obviously because I'm not going to let a man tell me that these are wrong and that sexual violence is not an issue against women. But then after that, I told him multiple times, do not bring it up again. I do not bring it up again. And he kept bringing it up and I just kept ignoring him, which is extremely disrespectful. It is disrespectful because if you're going to, and like, he kept saying like in this argument, like, why do you guys have to argue? Like, right. It's a conversation. He kind of turned it into an argument. Yeah. He really did turn it into an argument and I was just so annoyed with him the whole time. Okay. So we're going to go to the end of the conversation and what he said. And I like, it's just, so scrambled and I like I don't even understand what he's saying but I'm gonna go ahead and read it yeah so this is what I was talking about when I was telling everyone like I stopped replying to him because he was just getting like out of control and then I told him I was like I'm done having this conversation I'm not gonna reply to you anymore and this is what he said in the end I believe that none of this matters really and those in power are dividing us so we won't see or hear about the real issues But how many people do you know that are struggling, living week to week, month to month? I'm sorry, like, I feel like he thinks he's like a motivational speaker. Right, like, I was reading this and I was like, you really thought you did something. (laughs) So then he said, how much are your medical bills? How much, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) I should stop reading it like that. How much does insulin cost to get now? How much if your paycheck goes to taxes? And he said, if, not of. Why are our elected officials sending billions to other countries when we struggle here? All they're doing is dividing us and conquering each group along the way. But I still stand by what I said earlier. If someone punches you in the face, you are thinking about your paycheck. Know what I mean? (laughs) And I said in response to all of that, because I still don't get what he's saying. I said, because he said, know what I mean? I said, no, I'm very confused why you brought up all these points. (laughs) if anybody understands what he was saying please tell us please tell us because it's a mystery and it remains a mystery to this day months later I don't get it and I never once when he said if someone punches you in the face you aren't thinking about your paycheck you know what I mean what does that mean (laughs) I think it means like you're just thinking about defending yourself but like why does that tie into the car the conversation at all I don't know. I was extremely confused. And I really think he just like went on this little tangent to try and sound inspirational. And I mean, cool, but no. I don't even know what to say. But so I think that was the end of the conversation. That's the end that we're gonna. Yeah, that's all we're gonna talk about. Um, But (laughs) again, if anybody like has any clarifications for anything he said that we're all very confused about, please DM (laughs) us. Like, like Haley said, like we're open to having conversations, but 
please realize that we're very open-minded to hearing what other people have to say. So you need to be as well if you're going to have a conversation with us. Yeah, exactly. Like this was an example of what not to do. Yeah, you, it's so great to share our opinions and to be open and everything. Like it's so necessary and we need that. But when you get to the point where you're not even open to hearing what the other person has to say and you're acting like you are, but you're not like, obviously throughout that whole conversation, he was not even listening to what I was saying because he was moving on to the next point and like replying to himself. Even when I had said mm-hmm. something, he just totally ignored it. Right. So um, don't be like him. No, don't be like him. So anyways, um, if someone punches you in the face, you aren't thinking about your paycheck. <laughs> Take that with me this week. Try Do and you know what we mean? Yeah, you know what we mean, right, guys? Are you following? Uh. With that being said, that is the end of our conversation. Me and this feminist critic. Let us know what you guys think. DM us as always. Our Instagram is at Real Talk About Feminism, and. We hope that you guys enjoyed our little takeovers this week. Yeah. Um, how did we not mention that? That was really fun for both of us. And we're going to try and do that more often and just post a little bit more lifestyle stuff on the story because it was really fun to connect with all of you guys in a way that's not just talking about all these feminist topics, like really just kind of getting to know everyone on a more personal level and showing everyone else like what our lives are like. Mm-hmm. Because you guys all see our hear our voices and hear our opinions and what we have to say, but we don't really share that much about our personal lives other than like for a little bit at the beginning of each episode. So we're going to be doing that more often and really letting you guys get to know who we are because it was super fun. Yeah. And in my takeover, I ended with saying like, it would be fun if we both did a weekend one or like when you're back home, if we did one together. Yeah. Because then you guys can like actually see us together. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it would be really fun. So stay tuned for all of that. And we'll be back next week with episode 14.